0: The New Testament reading comes from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1. Paul, Silas and Timothy, to the Church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Here ends the readings.
1: Good morning, my name's Rick Hall and it's great to be with you here this morning. This is my first Sunday with you at Richmond Anglican and I'm excited to be here. As I said in my video during the week, it's a shame that we can't meet together in person, but isn't it great that we can still sit under God's Word together, which is what we're going to do together now. We've just had two Bible readings, one from 1 Samuel and one from 1 Thessalonians. That one from 1 Samuel I'm not going to be speaking about, but we're just going to be reading through that over the coming weeks just because it's good to sit under God's word together. But we are going to spend a bit more time now reading from that passage and thinking a bit more about that passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. So let's pray that God's spirit will work in our hearts and minds as we continue to meditate on this together. Please pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do pray that your Spirit will be working in our hearts and minds as he was at work when these words were written. May he continue to be at work in our hearts and minds now to give us faith, to trust that what you have to say to us is true and good, and to give us the obedience that comes from faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted to start this morning by thinking together about what kind of church we should want to be. That is, I want to ask the question, what is it that should shape and mark and define us as a church? Does that sound like a good question to be thinking about? I'll just have to assume that you're nodding along with me at home there. And to start us thinking about this question, I wonder if you might just take a moment to think for yourself, what do you value about church? What do you delight in? Or even, what do you love to see improving and changing? I'm sure that among us, will probably have lots of different answers to that question. But I want to suggest that this church in Thessalonica, that this letter was written to nearly 2,000 years ago, actually gives us a profoundly helpful answer to that question. Because it tells us in verse 7 that this was a model church. These Christians in Thessalonica had become models to believers in other places. So what I want to do is I want to ask, what was it that made them a model church? I'll tell you what it wasn't. It it wasn't their pastor, it wasn't their minister. It wasn't the well-organised programs that they ran. And it certainly wasn't how well they adapted to doing church online in a global pandemic. I don't think the NBN had quite made it to Thessalonica by then. It hasn't even made it to my house yet. So what was it that made them a model church? We'll come back at the end and see if we can answer that question then. But for now, I want to spend some time looking at verse 3 together and to see what it was that Paul thanked God for about this church. This verse, verse 3, describes what I like to call the awesome trifecta of the Christian life. Have a look at it with me. I'm going to read from verse 2. It says this, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 2. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you see the three things there? Faith, love, and hope. This is what marked those believers in Thessalonica, and in just three words, that's actually not a bad way to describe the Christian life. Faith, love, and hope. And I'm going to look at each of these three in turn and think about what it might look like for us to be like these Thessalonians as people who are marked by these three things. So the first thing that Paul thanks God for is their faith. Now, I think faith is one of those words that we can often overcomplicate and maybe even over-spiritualise. But simply, faith just means trusting someone, it really is wonderful when you have someone that you can trust. It's reassuring. It's comforting. It gives security and confidence. I mean, think about it. When, when there's a child who knows that they can trust their parents, or when a husband or wife can trust their spouse, that really is a foundation of a good marriage. Or when you have a friend that you just know that you can trust them, To have someone you can trust really is a wonderful thing. But when that someone you can trust is the God of the universe, there is something absolutely remarkable about that. The one who gives life. The one who oversees every moment of my life. The one who tells people how we can best live in this world that he has created. We can trust him. That's amazing. We can trust that what he tells us is true and that it's good and that it's good for us. How could we not want to listen to that, to hear what he has to say to us and to to heed what he has to say to us? These Thessalonians had come to trust God and so they had turned their lives towards him. They had radically altered the direction of their lives because they had discovered that they could trust God. You see down further in verse 9, where it describes when that happened for the Thessalonians. It's in the middle of verse 9. I'm going to read from the start of the sentence in the middle of verse 9, where it says, They tell how you turned to God from idols. They turned to God. That's what happens when someone comes to trust God. They turn to him. You turn away from where you were going and you turn to God. Speaking of turning around, I wonder if you've seen those big signs on the freeway, those massive red signs that say, wrong way, go back. Have you seen those? You you can't miss them really, can you? I remember when I was a kid, I'd see those signs and I found myself thinking, how do they know where we think we're going? How do they know where we want to go that they can tell us that we are going the wrong way, that we need to go back? Of course, what I didn't realize was that those signs are not meant to be a navigation aid. Those signs are meant to be a warning. Those signs are saying, if you continue in this direction, it's not going to end well. So turn around, go back. These Thessalonians have heard God say that to them. Wrong way, go back. And they have come to trust and to believe that what God says about that is true. This trusting, this faith, really is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. At the very basic level, it simply means that I trust that certain things are true, that Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins, that he really physically did rise from the dead, and that because of that, God has made him the Lord, and the ruler of the entire universe, and that he will return and that every knee will bow to him. Faith means believing that those things are true. But more than that, because I believe that those things are true, I trust the person who says them to me. I trust him for my own forgiveness. And I turn to him as my Lord now. I trust trust what he tells me about how I should live now. And I believe his promises for the future. Being able to trust God is a wonderful thing. It's a remarkable thing. And these Thessalonians had come to know that they had every good reason to trust him. And that's what's made the difference for them. They live lives now that are marked... By that kind of trust lives that are marked by faith and that's the first thing that paul thanked god for about them well the second thing that paul thanks god for in verse three is their love their labor prompted by love and this really is one of the biggest differences that it makes when someone puts their trust in god when someone turns to god from idols it it frees us to love. And again, just think how remarkable this is, that you can be freed from that self-centred way of living that, honestly, is just comes so naturally to us, doesn't it? That you can be freed to love others instead of just loving myself or just the precious few people around me that make me feel special. And that's exactly what the Thessalonians were doing. And, it's, and again, it's because of the difference that the message of Jesus has made in their lives. Come down with me again to that sentence in the middle of verse 9. It says, They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. They are serving God now. And when you serve the God of love, you love like he loved. You love others, and that's what the Thessalonians were doing. And notice in verse 3 there it does say their labour prompted by love, their labour of love. I wonder what comes to your mind when you think of those words, a labour of love. You know, it makes me think of, of a nana spending nine months lovingly knitting an entire wardrobe full of clothes as she waits for the birth of her new grandchild. Or someone painstakingly restoring a piece of antique furniture that's a family heirloom. Or lovingly handcrafting a surfboard one stroke of the plane at a time until it's perfect. But you know, I don't actually think that's what it means here because it misses the point of the word labour. You know, my dictionary describes the word labour, defines the word labour as to engage in an activity that is burdensome or even to be in a state of discomfort or distress. Labour is what a convict does on a chain gang, chipping away at a rock for 12 hours a day. Or a woman giving birth for 26 painful hours. I mean, that's the word we use for that, right? Labour. Or someone trudging off to work, to a job that they hate day in day out for 50 years to put food on the table. That's labor. It doesn't sound like fun, does it? It doesn't sound like me hand crafting my perfect surfboard. It sounds more like me sweeping up the dust after someone else has made their perfect surfboard. Labor is hard work. But these Thessalonians were willing to do things that were difficult, that were burdensome, because they were prompted by love. And, you know, they could do this because they had a good example to follow. They were following in the footsteps of Jesus. His love sent him to die on a cross. And I tell you, he was dreading that. But he did it anyway out of love for us. And these Thessalonians were following that example. They were willing to do hard things for the sake of others, out of that kind of love. This is the impact that the message of Jesus was having on their lives. And Paul thanked God for that. Now there will be plenty of time in the future for us to think together about what this kind of love should look like for us. But just for the moment, I want you to have a think about just how massive this is, that our relationships at church would be so shaped by that kind of attitude, where I am willing to do hard things, things that I don't necessarily want to do, out of love for you, out of love for others. That my relationships with my neighbours, with people who, who don't come to church with me, would be shaped by that kind of attitude of love. I mean, what a difference that would make among us. And so just very briefly, Who can you love like that this week? That person from church who you haven't seen for a while maybe? Or even that person from church who you might have had a bit of a falling out with? Or that neighbour across the street who is finding things difficult at the moment? This model church was marked by their labour of love. Now the third thing and the final thing that Paul thanks God for in this verse is their hope, their endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You see for these Christians living for Jesus was not easy in fact it says in verse 6 that when they accepted the message of Jesus it came with severe suffering but they kept going, they endured And the thing that kept them going was hope. More specifically, hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We all need hope, don't we? And during these coronavirus times, something that I've noticed is that people are particularly looking for some kind of hope. You know, when will this end? What will life be like afterwards? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel that I can look for in the future? That's looking for hope. And in that sense, can you see how hope is something that's real and concrete? It's not just a feeling inside me, it's something in the future that I can look forward to and that makes a difference for me now. That's what the Thessalonians had. They were able to keep going in their trust in Jesus, even though they were suffering for it, because they had a hope for the future. But their hope was far more significant than just an end to a health pandemic or a return to some kind of economic stability or just being able to meet your friends at a cafe again. Their hope was in the return of Jesus, the resurrection of the dead, a new creation, eternal life. The risen Jesus will return. And he will gather his people to him and he will wipe every tear from our eyes. He will heal our broken bodies and our broken hearts. I mean, doesn't that sound good? I think it sounds amazing. Because of Jesus, we can live now with that kind of hope. I don't know what difficulties you're facing at the moment. You might be facing some significant difficulties difficulties, even opposition, but I do know what will keep you going. It's having this hope fixed in your vision, opening your eyes to it so that you see it all the more clearly and that you long for it all the more passionately, that you fill your mind with these things that God has promised so that your heart longs for it and that you clear away those other things that might kind of get in the way of being able to see this clearly, or things that might kind of distract you to other, lesser hopes. The Christian life is a long-distance race. It's a, it's a marathon. The only thing that can keep you going is if you can see the end, the very good future that God has promised. That's what hope is. And that's what kept these Thessalonians going, even in their suffering. They trusted God's promise about that very good future. That's what they were waiting for. They could see the finish line, and it spurred them on, because whatever was happening now, that very good end is certain. And that makes all the difference endurance, inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's much more that I could say about this, but I want to come back now to where we began. What was it that made this small church in Thessalonica a model church? And how can we be like them? A model church that is growing and thriving, Hopefully that's become clear on the way through because the answer, I think, is actually quite simple. A model church is filled with people who are being transformed by that saving message of Jesus. You see, these three things that marked the believers in Thessalonica are the same three things that marked their conversion at the beginning when they first received the message of Jesus. That's why I've kept jumping down to verses 9 and 10 where it describes how they began their Christian lives. I can't help but notice that it's got those same three elements, faith, love, and hope. See if you can see it there as I, as I read it out, although well, word, those words aren't specifically mentioned. Have a look at it. This is the report that was made about the Thessalonians when they first came to Christ from verse 9. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Did you see it there? They turned to serve and to wait. They turn to God in faith. God is the one they trust now, not their idols. They serve God in love. When you serve the God of love, that's what you do. You love like he loved. And they wait for Jesus in hope. We can wait for the return of Jesus in hope because he has rescued us. His death and resurrection has rescued us from God's judgment. And... So now we are waiting for that perfect eternal life. Faith, love and hope. That's how we begin the Christian life and that's how we keep going. That's that's the simplicity of the message of Jesus. It's not rocket science. And that's what will make us a model church. So let me just finish by asking you, does this describe you? Have you turned to God in faith, to serve him in love, and to wait for Jesus in hope? As I look forward to the years ahead here in Richmond, this is my goal and my prayer for for each one of us and for anyone who comes to join us in the future. Whether you've been following Jesus for 50 years or more, or you're just starting to think about Jesus for yourself now, My goal for each one of us is that this message of Jesus changes us the way that it changed them, that every day we turn to God in faith, that we serve him in love, and that we wait for Jesus in hope, that we do live lives that are marked by faith, hope, and love. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do ask again that your Spirit will be working in each one of us to produce in us that kind of faith that the Thessalonians had. That it does lead us to a labour of love and that it causes us to live lives that are waiting in hope for the return of Jesus. And we pray this in his precious name. Amen.